0: Well, good morning and welcome again, but now not only to those of you who are here in our traditional sanctuary, but welcome also especially right now to those of you who are joining us in our contemporary venue and also online and on TV. I'm really glad that you guys are all here. I'm glad that we all have this opportunity together to learn and grow together as followers of Jesus Christ. Today's the second week of a short little series that we're doing called Unwrapping the Gift, where we are learning to receive, to unwrap and to put into practice the gift of of Sabbath rest, God's gift to us of Sabbath rest. But I feel like I should admit to you up front that the very first experience I ever had with Sabbath was not a good one. The first time I ever experienced anybody doing something like keeping the Sabbath, it did not feel anything like a gift to me. I remember that I was in high school, I was a high school student and a group of my friends was planning to go out and do something. And I don't remember what it was anymore, but at the time it was terribly urgent. We had to do it on that day. And one of our group of friends, a girl who was in our group of friends, her name was Gretchen. And Gretchen could not join us because the plans that we had made were for a Sunday. And her family observed Sunday as a Sabbath day, as a day of rest and a day of worship and a day that they spent together as a family. And as a teenager, I thought that was dumb. (laughs) I wanted nothing to do with that. I didn't think that was a blessing. I didn't think that was a gift. I didn't think that was fun. It seemed to me like they were taking all the fun out of her life and mine also, (laughs) I wasn't a part of her context, I wasn't a part of her church, I wasn't a part of her family, and so I didn't really know anything about the blessing that it was to them. To me, it did not seem like a blessing. To me, it seemed like a bummer. Now, I have had better experiences with Sabbath since then. I've had a couple different seasons in my life where I have received and practiced the gift of Sabbath. I wish I didn't have to tell you it was several different seasons. I wish it was one all the time. I did get a chance to start again about a half a year ago, actually, and I'll tell you more about that a little bit later. But I want to tell you up front that my first experience with Sabbath was just like that. And I think that I am probably not alone in that. I imagine that a lot of us, when we think about Sabbath, if we think about Sabbath at all, we think of it perhaps as some sort of burden, probably not as a blessing. In fact, one time I was having a conversation with another friend of mine just a few years ago and we were talking about the practice of Sabbath and his question to me was about another word that starts with B, how boring must that be? What am I supposed to do all day long? I just like read the Bible and pray all day? Because if that's what I'm supposed to do, I'm gonna get really bored. A lot of us, when we think about Sabbath, if we think about Sabbath, I think we think of it as kind of an imposition or a, a legalism, a boring, burdensome bummer. But in truth, I think probably, maybe even more of us, me also, for long stretches of time, don't actually think much about Sabbath at all. We're going too fast to bother thinking about Sabbath. We have too much to do to worry about rest. Instead, we're just running around all hectic and bedraggled. We are bullied and bruised and beat up, I think, by our own pace of life. We're going so fast. There's a great line that always helps me remember this. Are any of you Lord of the Rings fans? Are you going to see the Bilbo the Hobbit movie when it comes out here pretty soon? I am. I'm looking forward to it. In the first movie of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the character of Bilbo, who's kind of the central character of the Hobbit trilogy also, he has this great line. I remember reading it as a kid, actually, when I read those books in the first place, and it was in the movies also. There's a graphic right up here. We've got a graphic up. Bilbo said one time, I feel thin, sort of stretched like butter scraped over too much bread. This is a great image. Do you ever feel like you've just been scraped over too much bread? I think that's true for a lot of us. We're pulled in so many directions. We're going so fast. We're trying, we're all go, and we're no stop. And we need the gift of Sabbath, but we turn it down because we don't think it's a gift at all, because we don't believe that it's a blessing. I think deep inside we believe that it's much more of a bummer, or a burden, or boring. And to those of us who are followers of Jesus, I think we actually have another complication. We have another problem with the Sabbath. Those of us who are Christians, if you've ever read in the Gospels or heard some Gospel stories of Jesus' life, read in worship, then you get the impression that Jesus was breaking Sabbath all the time. Jesus didn't receive the gift of Sabbath. Jesus didn't practice Sabbath. And if we're disciples of Jesus, if we follow in his way, then why on earth do we practice Sabbath either? But this is an unfortunate misunderstanding, a blunder, perhaps, if you will. But before we can talk about that, I'd like to take us back to the beginning. Back to the time that God first gave his people the blessing, the gift of Sabbath. and Understand what that gift was supposed to be and then see also how Jesus received that gift. Before I read you the passage in which God first gave his people the Sabbath, I going to introduce the Sabbath to you. I think a good way to begin understanding God's gift of Sabbath is to think of the Sabbath as a day of stop. As a day of stop. And when God first gave the day of Sabbath as a gift to the Israelites, they were in a place where they needed some stop. Let me read to you first the passage. This is how God first gave the Sabbath to the ancient Israelites over 3,000 years ago. This comes from Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. God said to the Israelites, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them but he rested on the seventh day therefore the lord blessed the sabbath day and made it holy now i think it's really important to understand the context in which the israelites were living and in which they received this gift this instruction from god when the israelites first heard this commandment They had just been set free from slavery. They were a slave people in Egypt. And God led them out of Egypt to be his people into freedom. And when they were in Egypt, they were enslaved to a king whose title was Pharaoh. But Pharaoh was not only a king. Pharaoh understood himself to be a god. And all the people of Egypt understood him to be a god. I think the Israelite slaves were compelled to view him as a god. And this god, Pharaoh had an insatiable demand for more. He, was a, gave, them a, he gave the Israelites a never-ending, ceaseless demand for more. More bricks, more building, more work, more striving, more productivity, more blood, more sweat, more tears. All go, no stop, more, more, more. That was their life. They were there for the benefit of Pharaoh and they could never stop. And God led them out from that. I think that experience that they had is probably not all that unfamiliar to many of us. We maybe don't have a name for whatever enslaving force it is that has our ear, but so many of us are caught up, enslaved to something that drives us to more and more all the time. It's why we feel so thin and stretched out and scraped out like there's not enough of us to go around. It's been thousands of years, but sometimes the more things change, the more they stay the same. But the God of heaven and earth heard the cry of the Israelites and he led them out from ancient Egypt and he led them out to be a people who would serve him and he showed them that he would be different and he gave them a different rhythm of life. He gave them a day of stop. It's as if he were saying, fine, it's okay, six days you shall labor and do all your work. Work is good and necessary, but it is not endless. And God put a boundary around work Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Okay, but the seventh day is a Sabbath, a ceasing, a stopping. That's what the word Sabbath means. It comes from the Hebrew word for ceasing or stopping. But the seventh day is a stop. It's a Sabbath unto the Lord, unto the Lord. And in the Sabbath day, in the practice of the Sabbath, the Israelites learned a new image of God, I think that's so beautiful. They didn't have to read philosophy books or contemplate something complicated and mysterious to understand God. They were given a practice. They were given a gift that taught them about the character of God for them. And they understood that God was not one big gaping demand for more. But rather the God of heaven and earth loved them. And wanted to bless them and wanted to be in relationship with them wanted to teach them that they could depend on him. He was not depending on them to produce more, but they could rest in him. They could trust him. They could depend on him, and the world would still go on. And he would provide for them, and they would be okay. And God gave them the gift of a Sabbath. And it changed their picture of who God was. But not only did they learn God differently by the weekly practice of Sabbath, but they learned to see their neighbors differently in the weekly practice of Sabbath. In that verse that we just read from Exodus chapter 20 and in so many other Sabbath instructions in the Old Testament, God reminds the people that the Sabbath is given to them as a day of rest not only for themselves but also for those who serve them, even for their animals, for other people they don't know, for foreigners who are residing in their area. The Sabbath was every week a practical, lived out, implemented reminder of God's vision of rest, compassion, mercy and justice, not only for myself, not only for themselves, but also for others. Man, I'll tell you, I find that to be deeply compelling. I find it to be deeply compelling that God gave them a vision for a different rhythm of life together that was grounded in a different vision of God that was a gift to people around them. And I think in our world today, we could still use a big dose of different. Because of the The way of life in our dominant culture is not a way of life that's interested in cultivating depth in your soul or giving you rest. The way of life that's practiced by our dominant culture is not a way of life that's interested in ordering your rhythm of life to give mercy and rest or compassion to anybody else. The way of life in our dominant culture is concerned with more, more, more. Do more and more with less and less. And then the next day, do it again. And I find this vision inspiring a vision for a, a countercultural rhythm of life that draws from and is inspired by and gives witness to and reflects a countercultural vision of God practiced by a a countercultural kingdom of God community that receives this gift and gives witness to a better way of life and a better picture of God. I find that vision to be inspiring. I think that's the kind of vision that actually got me over the hump to begin practicing Sabbath, to begin unwrapping the gift again in my life a half a year ago or so. Maybe for some of you that vision is inspiring also. But before we can get around to the practicals of what does that mean and how do we do it, I, I do want to talk about one more thing with you and that is about Jesus receiving of the gift of Sabbath and what it was that he taught his followers about Sabbath. As Christians, we read the stories of Jesus' life, and if we see that Jesus broke Sabbath all the time, if Jesus didn't care about Sabbath and taught his followers not to observe Sabbath, and those of us who are his disciples, what would we do? Would we receive that gift or not? But I want to show you that Jesus didn't come to steal our gift of Sabbath. In fact, in preparation for this series a few weeks or months ago, I sat down and I looked up every occurrence of the word Sabbath in all four Gospels. The Gospels in the Bible are the life stories of Jesus. I looked up every story about Jesus that had anything to do with the Sabbath. And it was a very clarifying experience for me. And in the interest of time, just very quickly, I'm going to show you what one of the Gospels says about Jesus and the Sabbath day. So let me just show you some examples here. In the Gospel of Luke, the first place that Jesus does anything or has any relationship with the Sabbath is in Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4 verse 14, the Bible tells us Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. This is the area where he grew up. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. And he was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. And then he went up to Nazareth, which is the town where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. And Jesus began to read there from the prophet Isaiah. It was the custom of Jesus to observe the Sabbath and to go to synagogue on the Sabbath day. That's a lot like we go to worship here together on Sunday. He was gathering with his fellow Israelites uh, for worship in the synagogue and for learning in the synagogue on Saturday. And then a little bit later in the same chapter, there's another example. Luke 4, verse 31. Then he, Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people And they were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. Jesus had this regular rhythm of gathering at the synagogue on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day was a practice in his life. But let's get to the more controversial stuff. Luke chapter 6. There's a couple examples here. I want to just give you one of them. Luke chapter 6 verses 6 through 9. On another Sabbath, he, Jesus, went into the synagogue, see his regular practice here, and he was teaching there. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled, was there together with the gathering of the synagogue. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. By this time, Jesus was a thorn in their side. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath, because that would break their understanding of Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he said to the man with the shriveled hand, hey, get up, stand in front of everyone, because what he was gonna do wasn't gonna be secret, he was gonna show them. So this guy got up and stood there, and then Jesus said to the people around, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? And then immediately after that, he healed the man who had the withered hand. Now, notice what Jesus didn't say when he was getting in trouble on the Sabbath day. He didn't say, oh, would you forget the dumb Sabbath already? Nobody cares about that anymore. He didn't say, God didn't mean for you to observe the Sabbath anymore. Jesus got into an argument with them about the right way to observe the Sabbath. What did it mean to honor God and to do good on the Sabbath as opposed to doing evil? Which assumes that Jesus still affirmed the goodness of the Sabbath day, right? He got into an argument about the right way to do it. And you might be very interested to know, I didn't know this until really quite recently, what Jesus says about the Sabbath in this example and others is actually very similar to what another number of other ancient Jewish rabbis were saying about the Sabbath. Jesus wasn't saying the Sabbath was bad. Jesus was having an intramural debate with other Jewish rabbis about the right way to practice the Sabbath. And Jesus had a very particular vision for what that was like and how God was fulfilling it in him. That didn't mean he was putting an end to it. And there are some similar examples in Luke 13 and 14 of Jesus' healing on the Sabbath, but let me skip over those in the interest of time and just go right to the very last one. In Luke chapter 23, the last verses in that chapter, this is right after Jesus has been crucified and buried. We read these verses about his followers. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph of Arimathea and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. And then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. Even at the end, when Jesus had completed his entire ministry on this earth, when he had taught his followers all he was going to teach them, they still understood very clearly, they had gotten the clear impression from him that they ought to still observe the Sabbath day. Jesus didn't come to violate or denigrate or abrogate the Sabbath day. He came to teach his followers how to receive the gift of Sabbath, how to unwrap the gift in such a way that they would receive it as the blessing that it is, not as the boring, burdensome bummer that we might imagine it or legalistically make it out to be, but to receive the gift that God was giving them and to make it so that it was a blessing and a gift to themselves and also to others around them. So how should we respond to this? How do we respond to the gift that God is giving us? The first thing I think we can do simply is resolve to receive it is resolved to observe or keep the Sabbath day to receive the gift that God has given us. I mean, as I read these passages, I think, if the God of heaven and earth, who loves his people so much, said, my people will live by a different rhythm of life and they will learn to know me differently and they will learn to see others differently, and then Jesus, whom we call Lord, and from him we learn how to know God and we learn how to live life in the Jesus way, affirmed this practice himself and taught his followers to do it, then I don't mean to be smart here, but do you think it might be worth a try (laughs) to observe the Sabbath day that God gave us as a gift to unwrap, receive and unwrap the gift that he's given us? And I know that means all sorts of practical questions, and I'll talk about just a couple of those for a second. But we can begin simply by receiving it. And one of the best things about the Sabbath day is you don't have to get it all figured out first. As there seems like there's a lot of things in life that you have to study and understand and hear about and learn and comprehend before you can do it. The Sabbath is just the opposite. It's on-the-job training. You just start doing it, and then you understand rather than understanding before you do. I think that's a beautiful thing. But as you begin to receive and unwrap the Sabbath, you will run into some very practical questions like, first of all, when should I do it? (laughs) When would I practice the Sabbath? I mean, the ancient Israelites and Jesus himself among them and current Jewish people today practice the Sabbath day from Friday at sundown until Saturday at sundown. I'd say, in a Christian context, probably the easiest or best time to practice the Sabbath would be on Sunday because it's the time when it's easiest and most practical to gather with your church family for worship and prayer, just as we saw Jesus going regularly to the synagogue to gather together with fellow Israelites in the first century. I'd say Sunday's a great day to do it, But I know some of you can't do it on Sunday. I can't practice my Sabbath day on Sunday either. It's not exactly a day of rest for me. But in my case, and maybe for others of you, you can find a different day. For me, the Sabbath day is Friday. Others of you may have no control over your own work schedule at all. Some days you can take a certain day off, and next week your schedule is different. That's probably harder, but pick a day, any day. I don't think it matters so much which day we pick. Sunday's a great day, but if you can't do that, Pick a day to receive and unwrap the Sabbath and begin to unwrap it, practice it, and understand it. But even once you pick a day, you might ask, well, what is it that I have to stop doing? If God said stop on this day, what do I have to stop? I would say, first of all, actually a better way to ask that question would be what do I get to stop than what do I have to stop? And I think just at the most basic level, the best answer that I could give to that question and the answer I'm applying to myself as best as I can is stop as much stuff as you can that feels like work to you. There's a little bit of a guideline, you'll have to interpret that, but stop as much stuff as you can that feels like work to you. I'll just give you my own example. So I try to stop working for the organization of First Lutheran Church on Fridays, on my Sabbath day. It doesn't mean that me and my family and ceases to be First Lutheran because we are the church together. But First Lutheran also has an organization. It's an institution. It's a business in some ways. And I try to stop working for the institution of First Lutheran on Fridays. It means I stop responding to my emails. I haven't turned off the notifications on my phone yet, but I'm thinking I should probably do that. I stop planning for teaching. I stop planning for programs. Now, if there was a real emergency, if something came up, if somebody really needed their pastor, I would try to respond to that because I think that's kind of how Jesus did it. I would try to follow his example. But just because I'm not going to receive the gift legalistically doesn't mean I don't want to receive it at all. And it also means that I try to refrain from the work that I'm supposed to do around the house on Friday also. And Amy and I are trying to practice this together. That doesn't mean we get to be lazy and stop taking care of anything, but we'll do some preparation. I try to wash extra dishes on Thursday night. I try to get my laundry in the washing machine on Thursday night. I used to like mow the grass and stuff like that on my Sabbath day, but then I realized that was just something one work for another. I think stop as much stuff as you can that feels like work. Now, let me just, before I move on, say a special word to parents, especially to those of you whose primary work is raising children, because you don't exactly get to ignore them for 24 hours once a week, right? That's probably not going to work out very well. One of the books I've read over the last several months as I've been trying to learn how to implement Sabbath in my own life was written by a woman who lived a little while in Israel and picked up Sabbath there and tried to learn to do that in her family, and she was a wife and a mother. And she said, you know, I just tried to shift the emphasis on on the Sabbath day. I I tried to spend more focus and more of my mental energy on being with my kids and playing with them and spending time with them and less of my mental energy on managing them, right? It's something like six days you shall labor and sort and dust and clean and all that sort of stuff, but the seventh is a Sabbath unto the Lord. It's Maybe it doesn't feel quite the same, but it can work. It can be a shift in emphasis. Ancient Israelites had kids too, right, when God gave them this commandment and I don't think they starved them or made them sit in dirty underpants on the Sabbath day. We can still have a different sort of day. If we stop some things, the next question might be, well, what can we do? What what, what do we get to do on the Sabbath? Is it just a boring day or what? Well, let me give you three words and we don't have a lot of time to talk about this, but three words. I would say rest and relationships and rejoice. Those are the three words I would focus on, rest and relationships and rejoice. And because it's kind of counterintuitive, let me focus on the last one just for a minute, rejoice. The Sabbath is meant to be a gift. It's meant to be a riotously good time. The Sabbath is meant to be a gift of joy to you. In fact, some Jewish teachers teach the Sabbath is such a gift of joy that it's a sin to be sad on the Sabbath day. Now that actually feels a little legalistic to me, so I'm not going to go there, but I say that just to kind of change our impression a little bit and catch the spirit of the thing. The Sabbath is a gift of joy. So what can you do on the Sabbath day that fills you with rest and strengthens your relationships and gives you the chance to rejoice? On my Sabbath day, I try in the early part of the day, I like to go and get some exercise because I enjoy doing that. Now, if working out is a chore in your life, do it on the other days. (laughs) For me, that's something that fills me up with joy, and so I like to exercise if I can on the Sabbath. Amy and I have a standing lunch date every Friday afternoon. Every Friday at noon, we try to go out to lunch somewhere new, try something new. We're going to run out of new at some point, I imagine, but that's kind of our practice right now. And I should tell you that I actually have a little bit of a conscience problem with that even though I think it's serving us well because somebody else is serving us now on the Sabbath day when we go out to lunch and that's not what Exodus said. But we don't live in a Christian culture and we don't live in a Jewish culture, not that that would matter on Fridays anyway. But we don't live in a culture where anybody's going to rest just because we didn't show up at the restaurant. And so we try to get creative with that and say, maybe we can go and if this is a day of joy for us, let's be joyful. and Let's let that joy spill over onto somebody else and let's be particularly good tippers on the Sabbath day. And let's be the kind of people that a server would think it's a blessing to have them in my section and not a burden to have them in my section. So we have a standing lunch date every day on Friday and then I like to try to make a little bit longer, slower time for Bible reading and prayer, sometimes to just be filled up spiritually on the Sabbath day. And, and I said slower because slow is a big word for me on the Sabbath day. In case you can't tell by the way that I talk, I move pretty fast most of the time. I probably move way too fast. And so on my day of stop, I try to take what I am doing and do it slower. And I'll be the first to tell you, I'm not really very good at this. I mean, I am a total work in progress. I have a long way to go on this. But I think I've just realized that I would rather receive the gift of Sabbath imperfectly than not receive it at all. Would it help you get over the hump to receive and unwrap the gift of Sabbath if you had permission to do it imperfectly? Because I really believe that Sabbath is a gift. I believe it's a blessing to us and not a burden. And as you unwrap the gift of Sabbath, you might not do it exactly right. You might tear the paper as you unwrap the gift. I, I think that's okay. I believe that God wants you to have it anyway. I believe that God wants us to receive and unwrap the gift of Sabbath rest. That, that it would be for us even a little, a little foretaste of rest and joy that will come for us eternally. A, a gift of joy, a foretaste of the feast to come. That Sabbath in a way, in its own way, could be a weekly reminder a weekly foretaste a weekly slice of heaven here on earth it's a gift that we get to receive and unwrap let me pray for us here father in heaven thank you for your many good gifts in our lives you are the giver of all good gifts and god i pray that you would open up our minds and our hearts to see and receive and unwrap the gift of sabbath that you have given your people And I pray that you would create in us a different rhythm of life that reflects a different relationship with you that is a blessing to us and that is a blessing to your world. Lord, lead us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen.